You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to Letterman Row. I am Austin Ward, joined by Jeremy Birmingham and Spencer Holbrook as we continue to roll along through these NFL draft decisions as the Ohio State Buckeyes either staying or going. This one was another uh, example of a player heading out and not a big surprise. Uh, when a graduate transfer comes in, even if they only get to play uh, seven games and then one series in the national title game and they accept an invitation to the Senior Bowl, that player's probably not sticking around for very long. But Trey Sermon could have. So he did have to make a decision, uh, Burham, and he confirmed that he would be heading uh, to the NFL draft as expected. Um, this is a situation for Ohio State where they got what they wanted out of a guy who bridged the J.K. Dobbins era to the future. Uh, Trey Sermon got what he wanted with an opportunity to finally get comfortable midway through the year. Exploded, was on a, a Zeke-like postseason run, proved that he could be a back at the next level. This this is what you hoped would uh, everyone wanted graduate transfers to do to prove that it would work out for them. They got what they wanted. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that we didn't get to see it come to a better conclusion for Trey getting hurt and on the first play of the game against Alabama. But we saw out of him finally what, you know, made him such an intriguing prospect to Ohio State back in the class of 2017. He, he was a player that they thought had a lot of wiggle, good straight line speed, a guy that could uh, hurt you in the passing game or, you know, straight up off tackle type uh, running. And I, I mean, for me, what really shocked me, was once you started to see him getting his feet under him and, and really understanding the offense and the guys that he was uh, running behind, the vision that he showed in the last couple of games, starting with Michigan State, um, culminating obviously in, in the 331 against Northwestern and then the almost 200 against Clemson. Like that dude was seeing the field really, really well. And I think he made himself uh, some NFL money. I mean, I think there will be questions about his durability as, as you would with any running back, but he hasn't had a ton of carries in his career. So uh, at least when, when the body is entirely healed from the, the injury against Alabama, he should be a guy that NFL teams are really interested in looking at. Spencer, I, I think back to March and it wasn't, it wasn't meant as a bold prediction, but you said it when we were talking about uh, Trey Sermon's decision to leave Oklahoma come to Ohio State that you thought he could be the most impactful transfer in all of college football. We know that uh, October and the early parts of November didn't go the way he wanted, but certainly you saw uh, him living up to your billing, you know, as Berm said, in the Big Ten title game against Clemson in the Sugar Bowl, and then just by his absence in the national title game, how important he was to the Buckeyes. Yeah, and I, I think he altered the college football season because if he's not in the game against Northwestern, I think Ohio State might lose that game and as weird as it is to say that then they don't go the Buckeyes don't go to the playoff then they're it's not a national championship participant like just think about the impact Trey Sermon had on not just Ohio State but the college football season and I do I will stick by that I think he was the most impactful transfer of the offseason in college football because the way he transformed I think back to October when we were watching him run and, and try to get his feet under him he was kind of running straight up and his transformation in just two short months from straight up runner who catches the ball out of the backfield to lowering his shoulder and running people over and getting through arm tackles. It was pretty incredible. I can't, can't say enough about the job Tony Alford did in, in mentoring him for that one year, but yeah, I think he was the most impactful transfer and I'll stick by that. 
Yeah, uh, phenomenal year. And look, it's it was an option. He could have taken the the COVID year, and you know the fact that he didn't get a spring practice and coming off of injury and uh, seven games, you know, he could have come back to boost his stock. That was an option for him. Uh, it's understandable why somebody with a degree and uh, who's already transferred once might might not want to do that. Uh, and also, there's a situation now for Ohio State where they're looking at an absolutely loaded running back room and carries are probably going to be much harder to come by, even if you're Trey Sermon and have the single game rushing record. I think that's probably the part here, Burn, that's most interesting. Trey Sermon's decision didn't catch anybody by surprise. So it's more of, all right, Trey Sermon's gone. What's next for Tony Alford in the running back room? Well, that's the big question. I, I think that running back, I mean, not to knock anyone who's ever played the position, and I know that the internet loves to just take everything you say and turn it into a thing, but it's the easiest position in football to play. Um, you grab the ball and then you run, essentially. Well, even so, Beanie has admitted it's not the most complicated thing. Right. And it is the, but it's also the position that I think is most heavily impacted by just having incredible instinct. And, and, and that's where I think you're going to see that some of the younger guys uh, heading into the Ohio State program start to elevate themselves from Master Teague, Steel Chambers, uh, even Marcus Crowley, who was obviously a very good player, was the Florida Player of the Year when he came out of high school in 2019. Um, you're going to have five guys in that room that are all pretty darn good football players. Um, that's not going to work for too long. So how, how this shakes out throughout the spring, because all five of them are going to be on campus with Travion Henderson and Evan Pryor enrolling this week, you're going to start to see the, the wheat separate from the chaff uh, pretty quickly, I think. And I will be not surprised if we see one or two other names leave that room by spring. I don't, I'm not going to say who I think it could be or should be or whatever, but there's only one football. When you have Chris Olave coming back, you have Garrett Wilson coming back, you have six other receivers that are uh, fighting for playing time, and now you have a player like Travion Henderson who I know we're all kind of guilty of like looking too far ahead and saying, oh, well, this guy's the next this, the next this, uh, for pretty much every recruit. But Travion Henderson is a different category of tailback than anything else on the Ohio State roster right now, uh, and that includes Trey Sermon. And if he stays healthy, his mix of size, speed, vision, uh, ability to catch the ball in the backfield, acceleration, cut, burt, I mean, he is he is going to be very hard to keep off the field. And I, I think that people will see that quickly. Yeah, uh, you know that I tend to be a little bit more cautious with throwing true freshmen in the mix and that generally it's not a sign of the health of a program if you have to rely on them. Uh, but I've also met Travion Henderson and watched his highlight tape. I know what he can do. Um, but the flip side is to not forget about what Mayan Williams was showing uh, in those last couple games before, and maybe the national title game on offense, at least for Ohio state looks a little different if he doesn't have to stay home uh, from South Florida due to the COVID protocol and could have been an option off the bench. Um, you know, Marcus Crowley needed uh, almost 13 months to get fully healthy and back into uh, playing shape where Ohio state trusted him. The fact that Tony Alford still, had enough confidence to put him on the field against Alabama tells you what, how highly they think of his potential. And I think so you're looking at these guys and then this conversation always comes back to master Teague who scored two touchdowns in that game. He also missed some cutback lanes that that's never going to be his forte. Uh, the top end speed, you know, we know what that is. You know, he's done a, a great job, but for me, when I'm looking at Ohio state replacing the tailbacks, I don't, I don't think Master T can be the guy that can take Ohio State to a title 
Um, you're looking at, at some combination of Mayan Williams or Marcus Crowley, I think, in spring ball, getting that first opportunity to take the job. And then with what you're talking about, Berm, if Travion Henderson can quickly adapt and, and he gets a normal freshman year, you know, maybe we'll have a different conversation uh, by September or October. But I think for now, I, the focus for me, uh, and I don't know how you feel about it, Spencer, I think that they will start under the premise that Mayan Williams and Marcus Crowley will be competing for that starting job. Yeah, I think I agree because you know exactly what you're going to get with Master Teague. I think he's a proven commodity at this point. And you still have a lot of upside with Mayan Williams. You still have a little bit of unproven nature with Marcus Crowley just because coming off that injury, he's only been in practice for so long. He's only been fully healthy for so long. I do think that uh, Trayvon Henderson will end up working his way into some sort of role in this offense. But when you have a guy like Mayan Williams who ran the way he did through the season and just continued to get stronger as the year went on, you have to think he's going to get a, a crack at this starting role. Uh, I, I think before anyone else other than master Teague, maybe because he showed a lot, a little bit of burst, he showed enough wiggle and he's kind of a bowling ball. So he's got everything you could, you could really want. If you can find a back to supplement him, I think he could have a huge role in this offense. In, in, a, in a room, <laughs> he's definitely a bowling ball. And I want to be clear. I, obviously, I predicted that Mayan Williams would be the starting tailback this year for Ohio State before Trey Sermon ended up transferring in. But I, I think when you're looking at a room like this with a lot of unproven talent and then you have talent in Master Team that you know what, what you have. But as we said, the, the reality of the situation is from a physical standpoint as a tailback, what you want in the Big Ten, Master Teague has proven very effective against the Big Ten teams and less so against the, the high-end teams that Ohio State's played in the last few years. That's just fact. But when you're talking about a room of Master Teague, Mayan Williams, Steel Chambers, Marcus Crowley, Evan Pryor, Travion Henderson, you got six dudes. And what really is going to separate these guys from now until the spring football or now until August is who really buys in and steps up as a leader in the program. And um, I think that that's really ultimately going to tell the tale of how much the freshmen play, because there is sort of a, a leadership vacuum, at least from a, you know, again, you know what you're getting with Master Teague, and he's going to provide that steadying hand. But the other guys are going to have to step up and do all the right things and take care of themselves attitude-wise. And I think that that's where you're going to see the difference. Tony, Tony Offer does not play around and just play the best players because they have the most talent. You have to be able to do all the little things. You have to pass block. You got to hold on to the football and you got to show that you're a guy that's going to show up every day in the weight room, classroom, et cetera. I know he can't wait until March when he's, uh, you know, uh, talking to the media again. And the first thing they ask, oh, is it going to be one running back or is it going to be a tailback commit by committee? That's his favorite thing in the offseason. I know just marking it down right now. He's so excited because right now, like, it's hard to it's hard to imagine that one guy is going to yeah. take majority of the carries for this team. Yeah, I, I can't see them them just naming a starting running back right away. So he's going to get that question a lot, whether it's in March, April, even June, and then into the season. I'm sure he'll still be answering those questions, even if, like Berm said, a couple of these guys, you know, just by attrition, work their way out of the program. He's never going to stop getting that question because everybody wants to remember the J.K. Dobbins. Mike Weber two tailback thing and, and, you know, either criticize or praise for that. And that's so far away from, you know, this, the way the running back room looks right now, but it, it never goes away from people's minds. So he's always answering those questions. I know, like you said, Austin, he just loves them. The difference is in that 2018 year, when you were splitting time with JK Dobbins and, and Mike Weber is you had two proven running backs. You had to find a way to keep them both engaged. 
And maybe that failed on some level. Maybe it uh, prevented either one of them from really getting rolling. Uh, Austin, you've said it. I've said it. Uh, Mike Weber is the guy that should have had the ball more in that year as opposed to J.K. Dobbins. But then you saw what J.K. did as a junior. So there's no way this isn't a running back by committee, at least to start the season. So um, that is the major difference. Those were two proven backs. Right now you have six backs that haven't really been able to do that. Yeah, Plus, someday we're going to go back to teams playing 13, 14, 15 games, and you're not going to put the wear and tear on, uh, you know, one running back for the entire year. In fact, one of the reasons that Ohio State was able to sign Travion Henderson and Evan Pryor back before the world changed, that was the last thing we did uh, last March was go see those two tailbacks. Both of them talked about the opportunity to come in together so that they didn't have to take every carry. You know, these guys are already thinking about what that means for their bodies and the next level and, and how that works into the offense. It, Tony Alford, for the most part, has found some success. We don't. I don't think that he – I've told this to him. It's not a secret. I don't think 2018 was handled uh, the best way. But he also came in with that plan, um, you know, this year with Trey Sermon and Master Teague and then let them fight for the, you know, opportunity to be the lead guy by the end. You have to do that. Unless you get those reps, you're just not going to know what you have. Anyway. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, we, we agree. We all agree. Everyone's agree. Yeah, that seemed like a good place to end it. Okay. Uh, maybe I should have said it at a different spot. That's uh, <laughs> our breakdown here on Trey Sermon heading to the NFL draft. A lot more coverage coming, uh, as always, at Letterman Row. That's Berm and Spencer Holbrook. I'm Austin Ward. Stay with us for full coverage of the Buckeyes at LettermanRow.com.